Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Allentown Presents. This is our spotlight series. We're still in November, which means we're talking about war films. And to round out the month with a controversial pick um, that both... (laughs) That both Emma and I love, but a lot of people seem to hate. We are talking about the 2001 film Pearl Harbor, starring Ben Affleck, Kate Beckinsale, and Josh Hartnett. And Josh knocked me the fuck on my head. He's so pretty Hartnett. Yeah, he's gorgeous in this film. Um, (sighs) This film also has appearances by John Voight and Alec Baldwin and Cuba Gooding Jr. and tons and tons and tons of other people. Dan Aykroyd is in it. It's got everybody. Um, But this film is highly controversial (laughs) (laughs) as far as war films go. A lot of There's a lot of criticism to it, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But first, we're going to talk about what this movie is all about, as the title is a little bit misleading, which is why everyone hates this movie, seemingly. It's it's the Titanic of war films. I mean, it's it's there. It involves its name. Oh, for sure. But there's a lot more than just its name. Yes. So... This film follows two best friends, Danny and Rafe, and basically is the story of their lives. We, the film opens on them as children. They're maybe 10, and they are pretending to be pilots in one of their parents, one of their family's crop dusting airplanes. Like, it's just parked. Old retired crop duster. Yes, and these boys are pretending to fight the Germans because they it's, what, like 1920-something. Um, so post-World War One, these kids are super into, you know, fight beating the Germans, fighting for the United States or whatever. They're pretending that they're um, airplane pilots and just having fun. And we figure out that they're best friends because of some actions that are taken Um Josh Hartnett, baby Josh Hartnett's uh, dad is abusive to him and Mm -hmm. uh, baby Ben Affleck comes up with a two by four and beats the shit out of his dad. (laughs) Beats the shit out of Josh Hartnett's dad with it. Um, And he says, he smacks him and he goes, get down, dirty German. Get down, you dirty German. What did you call me? Yeah, and the dad um, like flips out because he has PTSD because he was in world war one and he fought the germans so it's like a whole thing um but out of that event danny reveals that rafe is his best friend and he's always going to be his best friend you know you tried to protect me basically um and all these things we also learn right in this as their children that rafe has trouble with letters and he is what seeming is seemingly dyslexia but undiagnosed at the point Mm -hmm. at this point in time, there wasn't really, there wasn't a diagnosis for dyslexia. It was just, you're kind of dumb (laughs) and like, you're stupid. Sorry about it. The end. So we learned those two things, which are important to the rest of the story later down the line. Then it jumps forward. The men are now grown. They're, I don't know, in their early twenties. Uh, yeah i was gonna say they couldn't have been older than 22 23 at the max yeah 
So they're in their, they're in their early twenties and they are now actual pilots. They are in the U S army air, air corps. Um, and they are learning to become combat pilots. They're getting prepared for the war that America has not entered yet. At this point, it's uh, 1938 Mm -hmm. and we're kind of learning, you know, where the war is, the war's starting to get out of hand in Europe. (laughs) Um, but it hasn't affected America yet. And this is where Kate Beckinsale's character is introduced. <laughs> um, Evelyn. Hot lady with a needle. Yes. So Evelyn is a nurse and she's involved in getting everyone their shots and stuff. Because for anyone who doesn't know anything about the military, when you join the military, you have to get all the shots all the vaccines all the everything because they don't know where you're gonna go but you need to be protected against all the things that could possibly go wrong so like imagine now if you're traveling you know to west africa like you need to get a malaria shot just in case Mm -hmm. it's like that but you know times a thousand here's like just a cocktail of vaccines that we're gonna pump you with so that you can be as fit as you can be should we end up going to war so in this instance she meets Rafe and he makes an idiot of himself trying to read an eye exam that he has memorized because he's not good with letters like we already described Um, but he has perfect vision so she passes him even though she shouldn't have Mm -hmm. things you know happen a couple weeks go by and Evelyn is on a train with all of her girlfriends heading into the city They meet up with Rafe. We find out they're now together. They're like dating. And all the other boys that he brought along with him are going to be with the girls that she brought along with her. So it's this big, big party. The night is going along okay. The guys are trying to like, you know, get their, have their way with the girls, trying to get the girls to fall in love with them. Um, And Danny is just like, off to the side not really talking to anyone kind of shy and everyone just is like oh that's just how he is this is how he is but we saw in a scene right before that that Rafe actually just told Danny that he's going to be leaving to go to Europe to fight with the British so he's going to join the um eagle squadron of the the eagle squadron of the RAF and Danny's just torn up about it like you're my best friend you can't leave I don't want you to go to war and die like I'm not going to be there to protect you we're not going to be there to fight together that's why we joined that's why we did all these things and Rafe is like bruh I'm 25 if I don't get in the in the air now I'm never gonna like they're gonna kick me out and make me be an instructor before this war actually starts <laughs> So he's eager. I thought to- I thought that was a great line when he just said, "I don't want to sit there and tell him barrel rolls and yeah, like let me go fight, damn it." Yeah. So Rafe kind of drops that bomb on Danny, and Danny's trying to deal with that while also kind of trying to hide it in front of all the other people that are around, all the girls and all his friends, and he's doing a terrible job at it. But oh yeah, whatever. So. Rafe and Evelyn leave to go be alone. They have this like cute little date thing. And he he ends up telling her like, I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, I'm going to Europe to fight and all these things. And she's torn up about it as you would be because she's already fallen completely in love with him. It's been like a month. And anyone who's watched any movie 
of any relationship prior to like 1970. Well, like that shit just happened in a week. Like everyone was like, they met, they met in January. So January of 1941 is when they came in to do all the training and everything and get their doctor, whatever's they started dating, but it had only been like a month that they saw each other. No, that was, it was before January that they had met because he, he leaves, like he goes to the war in like 1939. He goes and fights for like years. Was he there for years? Cause I don't think he was there for that long. I know he was there for a minute, but maybe not. I don't fucking know. Anyway, he was gone Later. for a minute, but it they took like two like seconds for them. Exactly. It took <laughs> they, two seconds for them to fall yes, in love. But yes. And like I said, any love story from prior to 1970, that's just how love worked. Like, oh, we oh, met. Yeah. We have a connection. Let's get married. Look at those ankles. I got to buy her a ring. <clears throat> immediately. Yeah. Just like <laughs> everyone was the king of rushing into things, which is why a lot of people who are what I would call boomers now um, are <laughs> divorced or have a horrible relationship with their parents because their parents also hated each other because they only knew each other for like a week <laughs> before they got married. Like, Get to know the people you're going to be in a relationship with mm-hmm. like, long term before you commit to anything, do something long term. So, you know, that you can actually stand with this person. Exactly. And don't, don't be doing anything crazy. just to get it in. Yeah. Like, and they're not going to drive that. you crazy the minute you have kids. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of problems in this, but that's fine. <laughs> so. They're in love. He tells her that he's going to leave and she freaks out a bit, but she tries to make the most of it. And then he leaves. Um, Then this movie transitions from kind of following the story of the boys to just following the story of Rafe played by Ben Affleck in Europe. Um, They show him with his squadron uh, with the Eagle squadron. You know, he, they show his arrival and they're like cleaning blood and guts like off the windshield of or of the inside of the um cockpit because people just got shot down and he's like this is your plane i just gotta replace that glass and then (laughs) and then we'll go um so he basically drops his bags and then gets in the air and goes to fight Mm -hmm. and then in this minute there's pans back and forth between um the RAF fighting the Germans or fighting the Nazis and stuff in Europe and to what Danny is doing in America with the, um, Jesus, with the army. Yeah. Training and getting ready in Hawaii because they're already stationed there. Yes. So Danny's squadron gets moved to Pearl Harbor and they are manning the airfields at Pearl Harbor. Um, they, you know, get introduced to all of the other pilots that are there. So you meet some colorful Hawaiian, not natives, but. Uh, Booze. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mother but, dick. That dude. But some, but some <laughs> army pilots who are uh, living the Hawaiian laid back island lifestyle, I would say. Oh, so much. Yes. Um, and so they get there. You meet those characters, the nurses, including Evelyn and all her friends that we met earlier. They also get transferred to um, Pearl Harbor just because that's where the military was pushing everyone. They 
decided for those of you who don't really know much about the military um, and what led to the events that happened at Pearl Harbor in World War II, in preparation for the entrance to, to our entrance in World War II, the United States military decided that it would be a good idea to take the entire Western fleet and gather them all in one place um, rather than having them spread out, you know, like up in Alaska, some in Alaska, some in California, some, you know, yeah. down off the coast of Mexico, some in Hawaii, you know, all, all over the place. Nope. We're going to put them all in Hawaii. So they're ready to go. When shit goes down where they're ready to that go. That way it would be quote unquote easier to get them out together. Yes. Um, so that was the plan. They, everyone was there. This is true military fact. Like this is what happened. What, who knows? Clearly we learned that that was a poor choice. (laughs) It's like putting the president and the vice president both on air force one and hoping that nothing goes wrong. Like you don't do that. Secretary of, you know, and speaker of the house. Putting, putting the house, (laughs) putting the entire cabinet basically on putting, putting the entire chain of command via who dies and who comes next on the same plane. Yes. And just like hoping it doesn't crash. Like it's a horrible horrible (laughs) plan. And that's basically what the U S military did in the instance of Pearl Harbor. So everyone got pushed there. There's thousands of uh navy men there there's a Mm -hmm. ton of um army corps members there's tons of soldiers all over the place there's tons of pilots there's tons of nurses there like just there's a million people basically (laughs) not really a million but figuratively a million people there um gathered around all of these ships all the entire pacific fleet and then it cuts back to Europe and Rafe is fighting in a dogfight and he gets shot down. Now, this particular scene I noticed is eerily similar to the movie Tuskegee Airmen, um, where Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character gets shot down. Um, first, his plane gets shot, then he has an oil leak, like an insane oil leak, and tries to plug it up, which is exactly what happens to Cuba Gooding Jr. Then the oil catches on fire, which is also what happens to Cuba Gooding Jr. And then his plane crashes, which is also what happens to Cuba Gooding Jr. (laughs) (laughs) The only difference um, is that Rafe ends up landing in the ocean, and Cuba Gooding Jr. landed, like, in the side of a mountain. Like... (laughs) It was horrific in Tuskegee Airmen. Oh, yeah. Um, But basically, Rafe crashes, and for all the military knows, he's dead. Mm -hmm. So they send word to his next of kin, which is Danny, because they're basically brothers at this point. Um, Rafe doesn't have any other family. Yeah. So Danny finds out. Um, you know, the chain of command, he finds out that Rafe has died and then is tasked with telling Evelyn that Rafe has died. So think of every war film you've ever seen in your life where someone get or every film, like in uh, a league of their own, when that guy goes into the locker room to tell the, one of the girls that her husband had died. Um, it's very much that. Uh, he basically has puts his whole uniform on and gets dressed up and then goes over and talks to Evelyn and is like, yeah, 
So Rafe is dead. She she fucking knew too. You oh, everyone see it in her knew. Face like he's got that's, his hat on. He's got all his stripes on. Everything. That's, that's definitely a thing. Um, that was well in movies at least is commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if this was true of the time, but in movies about World War II, um, particularly because so many people, so many soldiers were also dating women who were involved in the military because they used so many women in all different areas of the military in world war ii um there were a lot of interpersonal relationships and you do see a lot of that like someone going to go tell the nurse or the wife or whatever that their person has died like that was a very common thing and the nurses knew when they came like they knew before they said anything they didn't have to say oh this person was shot down this person is missing nope just dead like they knew so danny goes and tells evelyn that rafe has died and evelyn is beside herself and crying and they hug and then um evelyn goes on her way danny goes on his way they keep living their lives right for like three months for like yeah for three months they just live their own lives and nothing nothing else happens for a while um in i don't know the summer sometime danny and evelyn end up at the same like party right roughly it's like at the bar in the same area oh and, is it uh, is it for rafe's memorial Yes. Oh, then that wasn't uh, even months then. Then that was like No. Uh minutes. they found each other at Rafe's memorial and he's like, "Well, can I call you sometime?" And then she says, "Yeah, okay." And then it's like a few months. Oh, yeah, and yeah, then yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. Hey, yeah. we should, you know, let's go hang out. Gra- let's go and get a coffee she's or like, something. I don't know. And then after that is when he's like, "Have you ever seen Pearl Harbor at sunset?" And then now Yeah, it's yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Story. So So Danny takes Danny takes Evelyn out for coffee, like just to catch up because, Mm -hmm. you know, he's hurting over Rafe and she's hurting over Rafe. So they, he's hoping, he's not thinking anything of it. He's just wanting to try and catch up. And by the end of coffee, he's realized that he's kind of into her a little bit. Um, He kind of makes a big move um, and asks her if she's ever seen Pearl Harbor at sunset and she's like well yeah duh dude I live here like (laughs) of course I've seen the fucking sunset (laughs) and he's like no but have you seen it from the sky and he takes her on an airplane which is wildly illegal and he mentions it he's like if they find me I get kicked out of the army for this but I don't care (laughs) so they go on a plane ride and they watch the sunset and it's very romantic and they both realize that they're falling for each other and then they get back on the ground and they run to hide into a parachute hanger yeah which um i couldn't i looked it up because i was actually really curious because i'd never seen anything like that before and i couldn't Mm -hmm. find anything that said this is what they actually did so this might have just been made up for the movie but it was believable anyways Basically, sexy. They, yeah, basically they have a, a, a hanger, not as big as a full airplane hanger, but a smaller mm. airplane hanger 
filled with giant, like with hooks up in the railings and they hang Mm -hmm. up all the different parachutes so that they can be properly packed um, for when it's time to jump out of planes so people just don't fucking die and their pl- their parachutes actually go out. Right. There was actually a sign on the bill on the board that says um, uh, a properly packed parachute saves lives or something like that. It was yeah. like, <laughs> it was like don't fuck up your parachute. Um, right. So they run to hide because the military p- people are like looking for whoever the fuck just dropped this plane off. <laughs> and they run and hide. And there's this like cute like. Will they, won't they? They're like running in the sheets basically. And then they fucking have sex right there. And clearly they're in love. They continue on their like love story. It like kind of diverts for to just them love story for a minute. Yeah. And um, then it breaks away and you get introduced to Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character finally. Yeah. Uh, he plays a character named Dory, who is based on a real ca- real person. Yeah. On Doris. Yes. Where is his person? Where is his actual name? He plays Doris or Dory Miller. They call him Dory. Yeah, um, Doris he, Miller. He's yeah, Doris Miller is a legit. <clears throat> yes. So Cuba Gooding time. Jr.'s character is based on a real person. His of. Uh, his portrayal or his character in this movie is completely real. Like apparently what happened is exactly as far as we know what happened to Doris Miller. Um, basically Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, is doing what he does best and being the first black guy to do something because that's what he does in historical movies. Fight me. Yep. Like, start watching Cuba Gooding Jr.'s movies and you will see it. Oh, he was the first guy to do this. He was the first black guy to do this. He was the first black guy to do this. Because for a point in the early 2000s, Cuba Gooding Jr. was apparently the only black guy that Hollywood would cast in anything. So yeah. (laughs) So he plays in this movie, he plays the first black guy to fire, to shoot down um, an enemy plane, basically, to use military weapons because they weren't letting, they weren't training them for weaponry. They were only allowing- They were only allowing black military men uh, in the Navy to be cooks, basically. So he was a cook. Cooks and like kitchen wenches and laundry people. Yeah, so, you know, just slavery, but in World War II. So Cuba Gooding Jr. is introduced here. He's all bloody and he shows up to the nurse's (laughs) station because he just won a fucking boxing fight against this big ass dude on the ship. Um. And so she's patching him up. He's kind of explaining. He gives a little rundown. His tiny two-minute spiel is kind of explaining like, yeah, you know, I've been in the Army for two or the Navy for two years. They've never let me. They've never trained me how to use a gun. They've never trained me how to use this. Um, I'm just a cook. I'm just, you know, I get respect when I box or when I win at boxing. It's something that I don't get if I don't, if I don't box, basically. So he's kind yeah. of telling the plight, basically, of the Black soldier um in world war ii and it's fucking horrific to watch where we are now and like it's so bad to think that it was that bad yeah 70 years ago 80 years ago at this point and it's still fucking horrible don't get me wrong it's not really improved that much but just the fact that they weren't even being trained on guns and they were literally sitting on fucking giant ships about that were meant to 
fire missiles and shit at people like fucking stupid yep so you meet him for a minute and then it goes away and then evelyn is back at her house and she is in the bathroom for a while and anyone who has ever met a woman ever (laughs) knows that if you in a movie if you have sex with someone and then later in the movie there's a extended someone's in the bathroom for a long time guess what they pregnant that whole pregnant mm-hmm. <laughs> so evelyn discovers she's pregnant but she keeps it quiet she doesn't let anybody know because she's freaking the fuck out like rightfully oh, yeah. so um and then like the day after she figures out that she's pregnant rafe shows up at her well, doorstep. and this this whole scene is so it's basically Danny getting super excited to go see Evelyn, but then Danny gets a letter and starts reading the letter. And yeah. it's Rafe saying, I've been trying to get word out. I'm still alive. And he's like, what the fuck? And then yeah. he's trying to figure out how to tell Evelyn and goes to tell Evelyn. And Rafe has already shown up to find Evelyn. Yeah. So Rafe shows up and Evelyn's just like beside herself. Like, fuck, what do I do? And Rafe gives her the whole speech, you know, you're the only reason that I'm alive. I thought of you constantly. The thought of being with you again is the reason that I made it out. Like, you know, the same thing you've heard over and over in every war movie you've ever seen. Um, and she's like, but you were dead. Like, I accepted the fact that you were dead and I've moved on. And she's trying to explain to him that, you know, she's moved on and she's with Danny now. Um, or that she's just moved on and then Danny pops up and Rafe puts two and two together and he's like oh you son of a bitch and he yeah. just leaves he doesn't want to see Danny doesn't want to talk to Evelyn he's just done then they end up at a bar and <laughs> get shit faced drunk and what usually happens in a war film at a yes, bar happened in a war film at a bar <laughs> yes Rafe got drunk Danny showed up and tried to justify what had happened. And Rafe was like, no, bitch, you stole my girl. Let's fucking fight it out. So they start this huge fight. This huge brawl breaks out. Then the military police get called and they all run the fuck away. And the night of December 6th. December 6th. This is when all of this happens. <gasps> Rafe fucking came back from the dead. December goddamn 6th. Yes. 1941. <laughs> so. <clears throat> oh. So him and Danny run away. They escape together in a car and they end up like on this cliff area, kind of just away from everything. And you can kind of see the, all the carriers and air, uh, all everything in the background. Mm -hmm. And all the while, while all this love story is happening, we're not getting a lot of um, military um stuff on the u.s side we're not seeing any of that but what we are getting is intricate planning details from the japanese side and we are finding out sprinkled throughout all of this uh messy uh josh hartnett ben affleck kate beckinsale love triangle situation we are learning about the japanese's plan to attack at pearl harbor because the entire pacific fleet is there because we are dumb as fuck (laughs) So there's um, like Ken Watanabe is in this film. There's a ton 
a ton of really great actors that play the Japanese military um, commanders mm. in this. And they're, you know, they're strategically planning all the different moves. They've got reconnaissance happening. They've got flyovers happening. They're calling um, people on the mainland, like businesses owned by people who are, who can speak Japanese. Cause there were a lot of yeah. um, Japanese Americans who lived in Hawaii at the time. Um, so they were like calling businesses and asking, you know, how's the weather? Are all the ships in the bay? Just like anonymous questions. And then they'd hang up yeah. and like, no one would ever know. And they, they sent a couple people as tourists to, yeah, take, to take pictures, guided flight tours of the islands and yeah. took legitimate pictures. Every yeah. picture that was used in this movie from his camera, from like the footage that they quote unquote sent back to the Japanese has since been lost. That was actual like stock footage that they used to send back to report on yeah. the Pacific fleet. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not in existence anymore. Yeah. But. So while this is, while we're learning about what the Japanese are planning to do, we're seeing uh -huh. the upper, 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 upper level military um, basically the cabinet of the yeah. United States military. We see um, FDR played by John Boyd, yep. who does the most amazing job at being FDR. If you have ever studied oh FDR or listened it's to touching. FDR, like John Voight did incredible. The makeup on oh, him yeah. was incredible. Mm -hmm. Like he looked exactly like him. He sounded exactly like him. His mannerisms were exactly like him. There, there is no perfect. Yeah more perfect casting than John Voight as FDR. Agreed. So we're seeing um, the leaders of the army um, and the Navy and everyone talk about the different transmissions that they keep over, that they're hearing, that they're decoding and stuff from the Japanese. And, you know, they're trying to figure out what's, where they're going to attack, what's going to happen. Basically they understand that Japan is going to attack like yeah. like the, uh, an attack is likely um mm -hmm. but they don't know where and they think it's going well, and dan Aykroyd is sitting there trying to tell all the higher ups because he's one of the yeah he's a strategic code breaker. code breaker and he's sitting there he's like i have no idea what they're doing i know they're planning something because they moved the entirety of the japanese fleet and no one can find it yes but he's like if it were me I would attack I'd Pearl, hit him Harbor. In Pearl Harbor because yes. everything is fucking in Pearl Harbor. And everybody's yes. like, ha ha, well, no. Yeah. There's not enough proof. We don't believe you basically. And um, there's no reason to listen to you basically. Or like, what proof do you have? We can't justify spending millions of dollars to move the fleet yep. out from where they are without solid evidence and we don't have any right now like until you break the finish breaking the rest of the code and we know for sure yeah. like then we'll do it um then we are finally <laughs> at december 7th 1941 mind you this is roughly an hour and 45 minutes into this film okay yeah. so this is there's a lot that's happened so this far. is where the controversy of this film comes from um everyone expects this film to be just about the events that happen at pearl harbor but there is a lot of buildup in this film um and there's reason for that which we'll get into in a little bit um so 
December 7th, 1941 rolls around. We start the day off, the morning off on the Japanese aircraft carriers, and they are sending their fleets to Pearl Harbor. They're sending everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hundreds of airplanes ready to go. Um, And then it gets to, it pans to Danny and um, Rafe, who are still passed the fuck out in their car <laughs> on this mountain. And thinking that it's Navy pilots running drills. Yeah. He's they, like, why are they out here so fucking early? Yeah. Uh-uh. They hear the they hear the planes and they're like, this is fucking stupid. Like, it's so early. Go back to sleep. And then the first bomb drops. And they're woken up out of the sound and look to the harbor and they start seeing that it's a fucking attack. Yep. And here's where the full attack on Pearl Harbor just goes insane. This action sequence takes place over the course of the next 45 minutes of film, which is literally how long the attack on Pearl Harbor took from start to finish. It was 45 minutes. Yep. Um, this follows our main characters, Danny and Rafe, as they race to get to airplanes so they can shoot down some japanese airplanes um they're trying as hard as they can but the japanese are always a step ahead of them just blowing up the airfield so that there's no planes to use um it follows cuba getting jr's character as he's running through his ship the arizona um which is heartbreaking yeah as it's being bombed, he's, you know, trying to get up to the top so he can fight or so he can leave the ship. And people all around him are drowning and dying and got, you know, are just covered in shrapnel and all these things. There's bombs falling from the sky. There's airplanes flying everywhere. And this is where Doris Miller's story um picks up and where he got all his recognition so he gets up finally to the top of the arizona and mans one of the the anti-aircraft guns the anti-aircraft guns and shoots down a couple of zeros which is um had never been done before by um, a a black soldier a person of color untrained person of color yeah completely untrained (laughs) and he just crushed it so uh he shoots down some planes and in this part of the movie the battle scene it goes back and forth to the different characters it shows danny and rafe trying to find um planes to fly and their other pilot friends um who have gone with them the entire basically their entire training they're all running around with their couple of islander um friends pilots and trying to find airplanes trying to get stuff to work they're taking you know they're doing the best that they can. They're covering them with uh, f- cover fire and all these different things. It goes back to the soldiers or the Navy f- uh, people on the... F- Jesus. It goes back to the Naval fleet and shows all of the Navy men trying their best. Like people just waking up in the cabins down on, way down below decks trying to get up and get out. People are in their underwear running around trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. There's people jumping off the sides of ships into the water because what the fuck else are they going to do? Like the ships are capsizing and it's just a madhouse. And it goes to um, Kate Beckinsale and the nurses um, and it shows them in the hospital as things get insane. It's showing the um, like Japanese like bomb or 
uh, yeah, they're, the hospital. This is another big controversial section of this movie is there's no proof that there was a specific attack on the hospitals, but it wouldn't have helped the movie at all if they left the hospital alone where the other half of the movie characters are. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I think it makes sense like the specific attack. So there's two attacks that happen on the hospital. There's mm-hmm. one where there's just a whole bunch of people running into the hospital because they were just like, yeah, it was basically just a bunch of people like getting up ready to go to work um, yeah. in the hospital and in the surrounding area. And then these planes start, they bombs start going off and the planes start flying by and everyone just rushes to the nearest building. So there's this like yeah. big mob of people. If an airline, if a pilot whose goal is to literally take out as many American soldiers as possible oh, it saw makes that, like they would sense. shoot them. So they just kind of yeah. sprayed into the crowd and a bunch of people got hurt. And then it follows the nurses into the hospital where they're trying to take care of as many patients as they can. Yeah. People are coming in off the ships as, as much as they can. You know, there's people pulling their friends who have like missing legs and missing like all these different things. Um, so it, this is probably my favorite part of the film where we get to see the different sides, like the three different sides of the attack that, yeah. that I've never, I don't think at least to 2001 there, I hadn't seen any other film that really focused on the carnage, um, oh. in this way, in like a hospital way. There are yeah, it's films, there. There are a lot of military films uh, or war films that follow, like that show you, oh, like a bomb went off and that guy's missing his face and that guy's missing a leg and that guy's missing a whatever, and then they all died in the field. Who cares? Yeah, they they don't quite illustrate what they did in this movie in that the burns and the like. There's a whole group of, I think, like six or seven soldiers that are trying to come in to the hospital that have all been covered in oil or fuel or whatever it was, and they are just wrecked. Yeah. It's so hard to watch. Yeah. But at the same point, it's like this brings attention to how much fucking shit went down in pearl harbor yeah so in this instance um the nurses are being overwhelmed the hospital is being overwhelmed because it's not meant to be like a triage triage hospital hospital. it's not yeah it's not an or this is or an er this is just like a basic military hospital like oh i have a sore throat or oh i fell and i broke my arm okay go to the hospital like um so these nurses are being overwhelmed, their resources are depleting, and they have to resort to using their lipstick to mark the soldiers, which is a real thing that happened in World War II. The military nurses yeah. were, this became quite well known. Um, they would mark the foreheads of the patients with different letters, telling mm-hmm. the doctors or the people who were helping pull uh, people into the hospitals and and into yeah. different areas of the hospitals where that person needed to go and if that person should be admitted to the hospital or whatever basically if yeah. you could walk 
you didn't need to be in the hospital. Like, go lay down on the yeah. ground outside the hospital. We'll take care of you when we take care of you. But like, otherwise, I I think they had a C for critical, an S for emergent surgery, and then an M, M for, for morphine. morphine. Basically, if they're gonna die, shoot them up with enough to make them stop shaking. Yeah, and then unfortunately, there's no. Yeah, there there's was nothing. nothing they could do. Um, so that's my favorite thing of this is the the viewpoint of the nurses because that's where a lot of uh women in this war ended up being and uh as much as it sucks because women weren't really allowed to serve at the at this point um it's really cool that they showed this this version of that uh their viewpoint of it so the attack is happening rafe and danny uh eventually find planes they shoot down a couple of zeros and uh and they play chicken and they play chicken to <laughs> to fuck up a few zeros um and then it cuts to the japanese military and the japanese uh commander basically is like okay we are we're done we're yeah. not gonna send another wave like we've devastated them enough like let's mm-hmm. go so yeah. the Japanese military's cult, like they pull back or they don't send anymore. Those people, the people that were there end up going back um, to their, as much as they can, which in everything I've ever learned about Pearl Harbor, that didn't happen. Um, people didn't go back. They were all kamikazes and yep. their whole point was just to cause destruction. So they just all died, but they didn't really show that in this film, which yeah was weird but also like i get it because every you're other not going to show a bunch of suicide bombers that. yeah yeah so the attack finally ends 45 minutes after and right after the attack ends an urgent wire comes in from washington and it's from the whoever it is in charge um the secretary of state and he's like attack on from japan imminent and the commander of pearl harbor the guy who's leading the whole shebang at pearl harbor is like you fucks are like an hour late like fuck you guys so he gets word back to the president and fdr like collapses essentially because are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> like they yeah. just lost 2,500 soldiers. There's, and you know, he's the report that he sends back to FDR is basically telling him of the carnage that happened, not just that they were attacked, but the fact that there are men trapped in ships that are thousands. slowly sinking thousands, thousands of men trapped inside ships that are sinking, who still have air to breathe, but are being sunk, sunken down into the water. Yeah. You could like they're and screaming that, and you can hear them. My so, my brother was pointing out that was one of the things. Uh yes, they did sink, but the rate that the water rose in some of those ships was pretty exaggerated. Um, he said that's one of the worst facts about it is yes, they did get filled with water. Yes, they did sink, but they literally had. Like he said, some of them were in there for three weeks. Yeah. Like banging on the sides of the insides of those ships yeah. for three weeks. Yeah. Well, they, they talk about that in the film. 
is so awful. So FDR gets this news and he's like, what the fuck? So he and the rest of the, the secretary of state and all of the military heads up, they're trying to figure out what, what's what to do next. Um, yeah. They're planning their revenge. They're, they're talking to all these different commanders about what's going to happen. And then it cuts back, goes back to the boys at Pearl Harbor, all of our favorite characters that we've been falling in love with this whole, f- this whole movie. And they are, trying to get as many people out of these sinking ships as they can the they detail it with a voiceover i think it's ben affleck talking about um all of the people that are trapped and all the different stuff that's going on they're you know they're doing as much as they can there's hands sticking out of tiny holes that can't can't do anything but sink and it's just the emotional toil that it's putting on the soldiers that did live is excruciating and you really feel that in this film watching them try and rescue all of these people and save all the shit that happened um a couple of weeks go by and they're still part of the cleanup effort they're trying to get pearl harbor back and they get orders from general mccarthy um and he wants them the two boys, our two main boys, uh, to join a special mission to Japan to basically do the same thing to Japan that they did to us. And we're going to go and we're going to f- go to the nearest uh, Japanese city that we can find and we're going to blow the fuck out of it because yeah. fuck those guys. Then there's like a small montage of training Um because they will be leaving from an aircraft carrier, which they have never flown from. And they're flying these big ass planes because B-25s. Yeah, they're if flying. If you have never seen a B-25 bomber, they are supposed Ginormous. to have a minimum of a thousand foot runway or a thousand yard runway or whatever it is. Yeah. In order to get this big ass bomber, which is loaded with a minimum of four heavy artillery anti-aircraft guns, which weigh a fuck ton. Yeah. They're supposed to be kind of long range bombers, but Doolittle sits here and goes, uh, we're going to fuck some shit up and take a B-25 and gut it, launch it off a carrier yeah which is maybe 463 yard runway i think They're it was i think they said tiny 500 and 546 yards or something like that they gave it's, a very specific number in the film yeah, it's very minimal it's very short and- it's way too short but basically they gut these planes so they're as light as they can be and all they're holding is bombs <laughs> bombs and 100%. gas 100 percent they literally, the last second, because of uh, the Japanese fleet discovered their position, kind of gave it away. They were supposed to wait until they were within 400 miles or 400 miles of the uh, coast. They were so 650 make it miles. China. Yeah. yeah. But they were 650 because, miles away. So they had to add 10 more tanks of fuel to each jet. They took every gun in that jet off. Except for and one. And replaced it with a broomstick except for one they said pick yep. your favorite gun we'll keep yep. one they got all the rest of the guns out and painted a broomstick black and threw it on that bitch like it was yep. a real gun fucking oh it's fucking crazy no and cool thank you so no thank you 
our boys go on this mission um, or, or are about to go on this mission. And uh, Rafe is talking with Evelyn, explaining mm-hmm. the mission, basically, like, we have to go. We got to go do this thing. Um, and I just he needs closure. Basically, he knows that he's probably going to die on this mission. He needs closure. He needs to know why she chose Danny, why she did this. And she is like, bruh, like you were dead. Both of us were hurting and we found each other. And guess what? I'm pregnant. But Danny doesn't know that I'm pregnant and you can't tell him that I'm yeah. pregnant because he just needs to focus on getting back to me. Yeah. Um. You know, she's basically like, I will always love you. I have always loved you and I will continue to love you. There'll be a place in my heart for you always, but I'm pregnant with Danny's kid now. So that's where yeah. I'm, that's where I'm going to be. Um, and he's like, I can respect that. Okay. I will do my best to get Danny back to you. Uh, I love you too. Sucks to like, sucks that this happened basically. Yeah. They go on this mission with uh, General MacArthur played by Alec Baldwin, who does a great job, but does not really look like General MacArthur. If you've, no. They like show a side-by-side of him in the like special features. And I was like, yeah. this is weird casting, but he did a great <laughs> job. He did a great job. It was either him or Kevin Costner. So uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go on this mission. They fucking fly these b25s off this aircraft carrier amazingly um it's like my palms were so sweaty while they were trying to launch all those i was like yeah (laughs) yeah and then it's uh ben affleck and goose i think is his name goose yeah goose yeah the like laid back um hawaiian pilot guy (laughs) and then it's uh josh hartnett and the guy with the stutter they're yep, like together red. <laughs> red um there's like all these different pairings and they get up in the air they're heading to japan they bomb the fuck out of this city and yep. then they aren't sure that they're going to be able to make it to mainland china because they're on yeah. their last tank of fuel and they have nothing so they find a rice paddy in this air they like see the coast thank god they're on their last bucket of fuel they see the coast they go to land in this rice paddy and then there's they notice it's a japanese camp japanese patrols oh fuck so they light up the japanese patrol and they basically uh ben affleck crash lands and he's like fuck i'm about to die all i have is like a handgun (laughs) um him and his friend they get out and they're like shooting with the gun like the two guns that they have on them and doing their best and like fuck we're about to die and then Josh Hartnett's plane is still in the air and it flies by and sprays everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Sprays the fuck out of everybody. Um, So they live to tell another tale, but then Josh Hartnett's plane crashes and uh, red makes it out and Josh, but Josh Hartnett is injured. So he's like, he's, he's badly injured um, from shrapnel mm-hmm and he's then, got metal in his neck his legs all fucked up yeah um so he's like on his way out basically um and ben affleck's like dude you can't die you're gonna be a dad like you you need to make it you have to make it and he's like all right i will so then more japanese soldiers pop up on them 
and they're about to shoot Rafe. And Danny's like, oh, fuck no. And he stands up that adrenaline of almost dying or like someone else is about to die. Yeah. And he stands in the way and Danny gets lit the fuck up. And then uh, they take out the Japanese soldiers that are right there and Danny dies and it's Mm -hmm. heartbreaking. And this is where all people with a soul cry. Sorry if you don't have a soul, but this is where you cry because Danny is going to be a dad and he dies. Um, that's basically where all the fighting of this movie ends. Um, the next part of this film, they they somehow make it back with the Chinese. Um, and there was a Chinese patrol that came as soon as Danny died. There oh was yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. That came and escorted them back. Yeah. So the Chinese patrol escorts them back. They make it back to Hawaii. Ben Affleck has to deliver the. Or no, they're getting off the plane. They show them getting off the plane. Mm-hmm. And Evelyn's, and Evelyn's, the, Evelyn's right there. there. She's Hella waiting. Pregnant. She's been waiting for them to get back. She's super pregnant at this point. Um, Ben Affleck comes off the plane. He's in his like full dressed up gear. He puts on his hat. He turns around away from the door, like or mm-hmm. to look back at the door. And he's carrying something. And he looks sadly at Evelyn and then he come down and it's all the soldiers that lived that we've known this whole story and they're carrying the casket. That's Danny's body. And Evelyn proceeds to lose it and fall into Ben Affleck's arms. And then it fast forwards a few years and they're back on the farm where it started. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a crop dusting airplane in the back, the same one that Danny's dad flew. Um, there's a crop dusting airplane in the back. There's a little kid standing at a gravestone um, looking at a flower and it's Danny's kid. Mm-hmm. And then Ben Affleck or Rafe and Evelyn are kind of embracing and looking at him and they say, Danny, do you want to go for a flight? Ben asks if Danny wants to go for a flight. So they named him Danny. And then the movie ends. And then round 50 of tears after the last three hours of this movie. (laughs) Yes. And you're just sitting there like, (gasps) oh, there is a scene. um, There is a scene right after they get back from the mission where everyone is getting medals or no, Mm -hmm. it's before, before they go on that mission with McCarthy, everyone's getting medals for their bravery and all the things that they did. So, uh, Cuba getting junior dory he gets his medal um both josh hartnett and ben affleck get their medals like everybody gets all these medals for their yeah. bravery in the attack on pearl harbor and then then they go on it's, and do the other it's things. a lot i mean it there's is a lot. there's so many small things that we left <laughs> out that are such key factors to how this movie works but you you gotta watch it. I mean, even if you want to sit there and play the card of well, it was called Pearl Harbor, but it's about a lot more than. Per- yes, we know. Believe me, we've had the argument, and uh, we still win. It's a fucking phenomenal movie. Watch so, it. So I watched uh, Micah. I'm talking to you. This is not a shit movie. It's phenomenal. Shut this your mouth. This is to all the uh, spooky boys as well. Like fuck you guys. Uh, so <laughs> I actually, I actually listened to or watched. Um, all the behind the scenes feature featurettes mm-hmm. on this movie and their love story was um let's okay all the stuff that happened in this film was pieced together by 
accounts from accounts of different survivors of Pearl Harbor. So yep. basically Michael Bay and or Michael Bay worked with the Pearl Harbor Memorial Organization and mm-hmm. they rounded up as many Pearl Harbor veterans as they could. And they listened to all of their stories, as many stories about what happened that day as they could and the things that led up to that day. And then they kind of cut them up and reorganized them and made this story. So all the things that happened in this film did happen to somebody at some point. So anyone who wants to say that this love triangle is bullshit, this is bullshit, all this love story part is all bullshit, like, no, there's Somebody a reason done had that somewhere there's and and there's a good reason for it so michael bay yeah. in the extra features said the reason for the extended long love stuff at the beginning and not just starting at the fight basically they his intention was to get you emotionally invested in the characters mm-hmm to get them to get really invested in the characters and not just Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett and Kate Beckinsale. He wanted you invested in red and and all the rest of the nurses and all the rest of the squad and all they, he want, they, Michael Bay wanted everyone invest completely invested in what happened to all of these characters. So Mm -hmm. that when the bombing started, when the fight at Pearl Harbor started you were devastated by the things that were happening to these characters who have so much life left to live in them yeah you know all of these people are between the ages of 18 or 17 i guess and Mm -hmm. uh like 30 like they're all young folks and when they got fucked yeah and the the more they showed of them training to go to pearl harbor and then them living on the island of pearl harbor and just being normal folks that's all the more heartbreaking when you finally get to the point where everyone's just getting bombed and fucking like rained devastation on them um so it was all intentional and fuck you if you don't like this movie (laughs) (laughs) Like you can, you can get nitpicky. Like my brother and I, my brother is an aficionado when it comes to war materials, Mm -hmm. how they happened, how they were used, what was properly used, what was carried from war to war, what guns were there, what, and he, he and I love to, when we watch movies like this, pick it down to the absolute skeleton. Yeah. And Yes, if you want to dig into it, the wrong Jeeps were used. They didn't exist then. The wrong guns were mounted on the planes. The wrong... Okay, we get it. Yes. But there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Yeah. So depending on where the the budget of your film goes, which it's Michael Bay, the budget went to explosives. The budget went to getting everyone together to figure out this story, to piece it together from things that were factual. And so having that be what it was, yes, you do have to cut corners in certain things. But if you don't know when ships, guns, planes, whatever came in where, yeah, um, it's fine. Yeah. 
Well, and yeah. So when I, the first time I saw this movie and even after, like I couldn't tell you different gun types, like Mm -hmm. even now, like I can tell you, (laughs) I can tell you that, oh, that gun belongs to uh, the revolutionary war. That gun belongs in world war one. That's a world war two ish era gun which was, you know, the the lines between World War yeah. One and, like, Vietnam, there's not a lot of there's change. There's a lot of blur. Yeah, there's, there's a not lot a blur. lot of change. Yeah. Uh, there were slight differences as the models got a little better, but not mm-hmm. huge changes. And I couldn't tell you the model types. I don't. That's not a thing that I give a shit about. So yeah. it doesn't matter to me. They had guns. <laughs> exactly. They had guns, and that was the fucking point. Like <laughs> Right. It's um, you're not going to sit there. The average Joe Schmo is not going to sit there at this movie. Look at any of the zeros or the American army planes or the B-25s and go, you know, those are the wrong P-40s on that model. Yeah. Okay. No, my brother literally spends his entire life reading and studying yeah. every tiny detail of all of this. Like, I, I'm pretty sure with him, it's to the point where if you gave him all the pieces, he could put it together and then tell you what it was used for and when. Yeah, that's a lot. Um, it's ridiculously impressive. But at the same point, like you said, for the average Joe Schmo, yeah. nobody's going to look at the P-40s on the plane and even know that they're P-40s, let alone that they're not MKs and S's, yeah. that they were supposed to be P-40 whatevers. Yeah. So, so. Um, a bit of fun facts regarding the equipment used in this film. Um, the ships that were used in the harbor um, were mostly computer generated, um, which is incredible. So if you watch this film now, it looks real. Like, no yeah. joke. Like, if uh, while I was watching it, I was thinking wow, they like really got the military to put in a whole bunch of ships over here. But there's only like a handful of real military active ships that are in Pearl Harbor during the filming of this film. Yeah, The rest of them were all computer generated and the fucking CGI in this movie holds the fuck up. Like it's been 20 years oh, yeah. and this shit is so good. Like insane. Like you know how you can tell in films like that was made like 10 years ago and i can tell like that cgi looks janky that i can't tell i couldn't tell i swear to god it looked so good um so the filmmakers for this worked with the united states navy and uh the pearl harbor um memorial Mm -hmm. um organization to make this as accurate to the layout and look as it could possibly be they used the navy for several of the ships um a lot of the scenes where they're filming on the ship those are actual navy ships that you're Mm -hmm. seeing uh not when they were sunk clearly but when they're just when it's like cuba gooding jr and they're all standing around and like boxing and shit like that's that was on on the real ship um the explosions in the film that happen to a bunch of ships were rigged on real live ships um, safely, of course, as to not damage the ships. But those are real live explosions that are happening um, and shot from all different angles all over the harbor. They had um, yeah. cameras set up 
basically in a full circle around the explosions that they were going to set off so that they could get them from all different angles and then kind of piece together different uh, views of it and put it all together. Um, For the airplanes in this film, I know Patrick has quite a bit of (laughs) issues with the airplanes in this film, but they only had nine airplanes to film this entire film with. And fun fact, Ben Affleck, Alec Baldwin, and Josh Hartnett went through basic flight training and actually flew their fucking planes. Yep. They were not, Yep, they were in those planes. They became pilots for this and they went to military basic training too. Yes, they did. They went, they did uh, army SEAL training. They did did, like, they didn't do like, they didn't do regular like Mm-mm. regular basic training they did no they did army seal training <laughs> yeah just absurd um, it got deep yeah for these roles um, and like like we said as spooky boys and micah yeah hate on it all you want <laughs> yeah neener neener you can't see my face right now but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh the cast or the the crew worked with nine planes that they borrowed from um, a bunch of different um, antique collectors, people who collect mm-hmm. war um, collect planes from different points in time. Yeah. Um, they basically got a couple of each type of plane. They had uh, the zeros, the B twenty fives, the smaller planes that I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of that they had at. Uh, at the air bases. Was it the SOP? I don't think it was a SOP with. I got to find out. I can't remember what it is. The small planes they had um, all over the base that they kept trying to fly in Hawaii. The ones that they used in the dogfight against the Zeros. And yep. uh, one other kind of plane. I think the one that they use in the, the RAF scenes with the Eagle yeah. Squadron, I think, was a different plane. But basically, they got a couple of each of these types of planes. They shrink wrapped them completely in white plastic, then painted them so they looked uh, similar to the um, to how they would have looked in during World War II, and then they flew them around and then digitally fucking modified them. They had pilots, so yep. not just Alec Baldwin and Ben Affleck and Josh Hartnett, but they hired a ton of professional yeah, they pilots. Had, they had stunt pilots that were there to film. Yeah, the aerials. Yeah. Um, so it was two Curtis P-40 Warhawks that were on loan from the Air Museum in Nampa, Idaho, that yeah. were the two planes flown by uh, Rafe and Danny yeah, yeah. through the majority of the movie. Yeah. So they hired, um, they had, I mean, par- part of the cast did do a bunch of flying as well for a lot of uh, different shots. And then they had... Um, stunt pilots do a lot of the trick stuff like the we're gonna play chicken we're gonna do all this dumb shit um you know the loop-de-loops the spin all all kinds of all of that kind of shit was all done by stunt pilots um and a lot of the um the japanese zero fighting that was also done by stunt pilots because they were weaving in and out uh, Mm -hmm. of actual ships that were in actual naval ships so they had to be very careful to film all that they also had a helicopter that they used while filming so they could film all of the flights they so they mounted cameras in the front or inside of every um 
or just on the outside of every zero, like really small mm-hmm. cameras, basically essentially a GoPro, but much better quality. <laughs> a 2001 um, GoPro. A 2001 GoPro, GoPro, GoPro basically on the outside of all of the, um, all of the planes so that they mm-hmm. could get like live action, quote unquote, dogfight footage. And then they had the uh, helicopters around flying, taking yeah. video of it. After all of the flight stuff was done, then they went, they took it to the CGI team and the CGI team just like multiplied by the hundreds, yeah. the zeros and the stuff that was happening. Um, so they did, you know, they did a whole bunch of different flight patterns all around the harbor and then put that in yeah. uh, com- with computer graphics and it's fucking incredible. Layered it for sure. Um, the other coolest, the coolest thing that I think happened in this film, they built a exact replica of the front half of a ship they used that front half of that ship they put this fucking thing on basically a giant spit yep so they were able to turn it it could turn all the way around like it could go (laughs) from straight up and down like or regular like it would be and flip all the way down it was like the first third the front third of a ship front half there's of the ship. you can you can see it in the scene when the ship is starting to tilt and everybody's holding on to the side rail and they're all yeah. falling that's yeah. the front of that that's that's a real fucking like life-size mechanized ship, ship. mechanized ship that they built they rotated it slowly so they could film the whole thing it it's fucking- battleship jaws it's, it's a yes, mechanized it's, battleship jaws it's fucking insane uh, in the special features, they show you the like big rigging that's holding it and like how loud it is and how it's rotating and how it fills up with water when it fil- flips all the way over. And then they had to like take it back and put it right side up so they could film it oh, again. Yeah. It was like fucking insane. And then this computer uh, artist just like filled in the back half of the ship <laughs> afterwards. It's, and it's, it's in true Michael Bay fashion. It's a hundred percent extra but it's so good like oh yeah holy shit it like mm-hmm. blown my mind and the fact that this film was made in 2001 like straight up 20 years ago is insane to me yeah. because the quality of the film and of the cgi like i said already holds the fuck up it really does um another fun fact is ben affleck's is affleck's yes ben affleck's yes. his grandpa would not watch this movie. Um, it wasn't because of the reviews of it being like, oh, it's not 100% accurate and it's just a love story. And it's because his grandpa lived through all of that. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not watching that again. I do not want to relive any of it. So yeah. I'm not going to watch it. But I I love it all all shit on it aside it's it's a good one and you should watch it i agree phenomenal do you want to jump into favorite characters uh sure um fuck (laughs) (laughs) this is um hard i think my favorite character is probably danny i guess (laughs) 
I, I was going to say, he did such a good no. job in getting everyone attached to everyone in this film. Yeah. That I, I sat there. I'm like, who, who do you want me to pick yeah. right now? I, I could literally pick. Uh, Hands between, down, any of them. It's between Danny and Rafe and Evelyn and Red, Red and, and Doris and Doris, oh FDR. And Ugh. Dan Aykroyd and fucking That's Betty. It. That's my Sweet favorite ass, character. Right? Sweet ass fucking Betty that Betty. got shot the fuck up. Yeah, in Betty is great. Hospital. FDR is my favorite character in this film. So good. John, I'm going to have to say that. FDR is my favorite character and my, se- be- because of the casting alone, John mm-hmm. Boyd did fucking incredible. And my second favorite character, uh, honorable mention, is baby Josh Hartnett. Yes. Because that is the best casting that's of a young person who grows up to be someone. Like I have never seen a child actor look exactly like a baby version of a per- of a real actor would. More it was than bitty Josh Hartnett. More than this kid. Like he looked thoroughly. Exact same eyes, exact oh, same yeah. skin tone, exact same hair. Exactly like everything about him like if you just told me that they started filming this film like 15 years earlier and josh hartnett actually filmed it when he was like 10 and i I would believe you because that kid looks so much like him it was insane oh yeah i uh i'll jump on board the fdr train for favorite character he was hands down one of the best fdr embodiments yeah that i have seen in film uh, that wasn't actual FDR. Uh, but I mean, like we said, there's so many people that you could choose from that are phenomenal characters in this movie that it's really hard to go with. It's oh, really hard to best. pick one. Yeah. Yeah. Or he was, he was the worst. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a couple. Yeah. That I would go with for yeah. the worst, but yeah. What's his what's his name? That general dude that was like, nah, nothing's gonna happen. I'm like, yeah, me, sir. yeah, it's that's my job to predict what's gonna happen. That's my my least favorite uh character for sure. Is um, I I literally wrote the captain who didn't listen. Yeah. Uh I he's the worst. Um, the guy who is being told by Dan Aykroyd, they're probably going to attack us at Pearl Harbor. and was like, nah, like get some evidence first. Fuck right. that guy. That guy was the worst. Like the Japanese bombers aside, like that guy was the fucking worst. He could have yeah. stopped this from happening and he didn't because he didn't want to listen. And yeah. thousands and thousands Garbage. of men paid the price. So fuck that guy. thousands and thousands of men are still laying there yeah yeah for those Ugh. of you who don't remember your u.s history or just never learned about uh pearl harbor the pearl harbor memorial in honolulu hawaii is a you if you look it up online you will see a small white building um that's kind of just in the middle of the in the middle of the water you have to take a boat to get to it um and it's kind of you're like why the why why is there just like a building out on the water until you get out there 
and you look at aerial views of what it is. And the Pearl Harbor Memorial Building is built on top of the remains of the USS Arizona. Um, Which still leaks. It's still leaking oil. You can see the oil like bubbling up from the top. Um, It's breathtaking and heartbreaking all at once. Um, If you've never been there, I highly recommend going. Um, It's it's incredible in a heartbreaking way. But it, it will it will put you in your place for yeah. a lack of a better you're yeah. literally standing on top of thousands thousands of, of people who couldn't get out could not at all get out regardless of efforts of so many people to yeah. try to get as many people out of the holes of those boats as they could and it's I've never been there personally, but my mom went and uh, she came back with video and pictures and I bawled my eyes out Mm -hmm. at pictures. I wasn't even there in person. And I was like, this hurts on every level. Yeah. I went in high school uh, the year, uh, the summer between freshman and sophomore year so just before you learn about world war ii history Mm -hmm. um basically and uh, i had already known a bit about it because my grandpa was a history aficionado and i um you know he had always been telling me stories we had always watched military films together and done all these things so i had already known a a bit about it but going Mm -hmm. there was absolutely heartbreaking um it's like it's like going to ground zero in new york i would imagine mm-hmm. i've never been there but i imagine it's oh, the it's same hard. it's hard. um you don't really want to talk um everyone's just kind of silent and sitting there in the grief of it all um mm-hmm. it's moving and incredible like i'm on the verge of tearing up right now because i'm same. thinking about the feeling that like that i felt it- while doing it but It's a really cool experience. They have, um, it's like a guided tour. Uh, There is a building. So that little building um, that sits on top of the Arizona is basically just um, like a little area. It's an observation deck. It's an observation deck, basically. They they do slight lecture, like, and explaining about the Arizona and what had happened and things like that. But um, before you get on the boat or where the place where you get on the boat to go over to that thing, there's a bigger Mm -hmm. building that is the true memorial. And they have a video that they show you about the actual footage of the attack that they've accumulated. There's uh, artifacts and stuff taken from all of the events. There's all sorts of things. And it's a big old guided tour. Um, and I highly recommend it. You know, when COVID is over and you can travel again, if you make your way to Hawaii, I highly recommend mm-hmm. doing the Pearl Harbor tour because it is incredible. Yeah. Ooh. You get, I'm getting all the feels. I know. <laughs> I gotta take a Ooh. breath. <clears throat> all no, right. But it is, that is a perfect example of what that does because Katie's, Katie's been to Pearl Harbor. I've been to New York and 
it really is one of those things where you just, there's I no mean, words going to say, there's no words. You yeah. just stand there and you are, you're simultaneously pissed, sad, overwhelmed, and just like we, there's no words. Yeah. There's no words. There's nothing. Yeah. It's rough. Okay. Um, seven word synopsis. Oh, good. This will make everybody giggle. <laughs> yeah. Bring us out of the sadness. Right. <laughs> All right. You want me to go first on this one? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Uh, number of bullets equals number of inaccuracies. <laughs> in quotes. I was read that, that in a review. I was going to no, say, was I that read Patrick's? that in a review somewhere. No, <laughs> Patrick, Patrick said his would be very intense, super intense. Yup. Still intense. Accurate. But uh, no, I was reading a bunch of reviews on this because it's, it's like we've said, a very controversial movie. And one of them said the number of bullets equals the number of inaccuracies in this film. And I was like, fuck, that's funny. But wow. Um, also upsetting. Like I said, they took their time. They worked with the Navy and the Pearl Harbor organization. Like they did their research. And this whole story is based on hundreds of people's firsthand encounters with this situation like yep i mean yeah some of the like equipment is probably is or some of the equipment is wrong but like the story is not inaccurate (laughs) exactly um and then i have crack shooting danny crack shooting wraith usa uh i know right and then nothing like a world war ii meet cute ah q tears and then my two alliteratives, war-torn wingmen work wonders, want one woman. Nice. And then post-pearl pilots prove persistence produces payoff. That was a good what? one. That was a good one. That's Sorry. I'm like trying to count mine. Oh, no, you're good. <laughs> I was totally paying attention, but also trying to count. Uh, <laughs> get off of him, you dirty German. <laughs> That's... Like straight from the beginning, little kids yep. and their mouths a fucking mess. Um, <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. is first black everything. Yep. Accurate. Like I said uh, many times and I will continue to say forever, that is his role. That's just his typecast in life now. He's going to be the first black guy to do a thing. And now that he's in his uh, 50s and soon to be an old man, an old black man in mm-hmm. film, he's going to be the first old black guy to do this thing and the first old black guy to do this thing. You know? Oh, yeah. He's It's going to be great. It's, that's just... It's horrible typecast. Typecasting is horrible, period. It the is. End. <laughs> if you want to watch a semi-non-typecast Cuba Gooden Jr., watch Disney Snow Dogs. <laughs> no, he was the first black guy to run a sled dog. Well, son of a bitch. See yeah, here. I'm telling you, Fuck. this is his fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Cuba Gooding Jr. is good at. Oh, uh, we got a first. We got to call Cuba. <laughs> exactly. I was like, fucking. <laughs> there are so many other qualified, amazing actors. Like, pick someone else. Right. Uh, Josh Hartnett and Ben Affleck look good. 
Yep. The end. Such yum. <laughs> that's 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 my seven words for this film. Uh, I can't come up with a solid seven word synopsis that actually describes what happens in this film. Um, it's true. Other it's- than that, this is an incredible film, and the CGI holds up like it's mind blowing. I how much I love this film, and I can't put into it. I can't make a short synopsis clearly because I rambled no. on about this film for like an hour <laughs> describing what happens in this film already. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's Watch all I it. got. See how you feel about it. Watch it. Um, yes. It is Don't long. go into it thinking it's shitty. No. Just go in with an open mind. Know that it's long. If you need to take an intermission, so long. go ahead. Uh, but, it, it, but everyone here fucking sat through uh, three hours and two minutes of Avengers Endgame. So I don't want to hear shit from everyone who's like, I can't watch a three hour movie. Yeah, said everybody that sat through Lord of the Rings and Marvel. This movie is three hours and three minutes. It's one minute longer than Avengers Endgame and approximately one and a half hours shorter than the extended edition of any one of the Lord of the Rings. So 100%. (laughs) Yeah, suck it. Fight me. Uh, All right, this film came out May 21st, 2001 in Pearl Harbor. It premiered exclusively for four days. Well, so everyone could go see it before it hit the mainland. And then it came out May 25th, 2001. Uh, What do you think the budget was for this film, Emma? Oh, Jesus. I mean, it's Michael Bay and lots of explosions. His his movies are typically a little up there budget wise. Um, I'm going to go with the equipment he needed and used and everything that was done. I'm probably about $105 reduced. Nice. Um, actual retail price, $140 million. Jesus. Well, Damn. keep in See, mind, I, he had to, I he had to use was... the actual U.S. Navy and he had to pay oh, the yeah. U.S. Navy and all of these things. Oh, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I forgot to mention in my fun facts earlier um, a lot of the extras that you see in this film on top of the they ships running around, they're actual Navy men. So they, rather than uh, hiring out and getting a bunch of just actors to dress up in Navy garb and do whatever, they just, t- because the Navy costume has not changed very much in 40 mm-hmm. years, they just were like, okay, put on your uniforms and do this. Go stand over here, just wander around in the background do what you're what you would regularly be doing and then you're gonna jump in the water here or you're gonna do this thing or you're gonna run around and scramble and they just like that had to be so much easier than telling a bunch of extras act like the navy yeah yeah so they just description here (laughs) they just got a ton of people in the navy to like to do all of that stuff so all the uh, most of the extras that you see are true military servicemen um yeah all the ships were being uh, captained and stuff by true military uh, servicemen. Like the quote unquote captains you see in the film, those are actors. But yeah, who when the ships are actually moving, you know, that's the real U.S. military. Like they're moving things around for this film. Um, yeah. All right. How much do you think this movie made in the box office? Oh, Jesus. Probably a hot bit because of Josh Hartnett and... Uh... Ben Affleck, but ah, this is Josh Hartnett's first film. It was his, yeah, it was uh, one of those 
Yep. First big blockbusters. And honestly, um, Josh Hartnett has never looked better. Like nope. he went on to do a bunch of like love films after this. And now he's into like spooky shit, like Peaky Blinders and all that crap. Yeah. That short- mustache ain't working for him. No, the mustache Take is creepy. Away. And short hair Josh Hartnett is the best Josh Hartnett. Oh, so like much. in this film, he has like short uh hair like he would like you would have if you were in the military. Yeah. Uh it's not he's buzz, got that cute little short- freaking dimple. <laughs> oh, so cute. Okay. I just can't. Um, okay, back to the uh box, box office. office. Yeah, thanks, Josh, for taking that out of my mind. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna go with 412. Uh, that's not a bad guess. Actually made $449.2 million. Yeah. So this movie was a huge box office success. It made mm-hmm. something like uh, $60 million or $70 million in its opening weekend. Yeah. Uh, just insane. It made so much fucking money. Um, and even though there's all these criticisms for it way after the fact, everybody went and saw this film like in 2001 mm-hmm. like this is that this was the place to be in the movie theater watching this fucking film well it's the same thing as titanic everybody wants to break down titanic and what was this and she had room on that door and yeah we fucking get it but y'all went and spent your millions of dollars out yeah. watching it anyway so. also you watch titanic which is also a three-hour film so yeah just shut up and watch yeah. pearl harbor there's sex in it just watch it yeah all right. Do you have anything else to say about Pearl Harbor? Fucking watch the movie. And then after you watch the movie, do yourself a favor and get educated. Yes. Research. Learn all the shit. Appreciate mm-hmm. the sacrifice. Understand the situation. Bring yourself to the level of someone who can appreciate what the fuck happened. Yes. So there are um, several special features on the the ex- the dvd version mm-hmm. um the first one is the making of which we've recommended before but i highly recommend again always watch the making of of a military film because yes. you will learn so much cool shit that went into the the process of building uh this world from the past basically that you're mm-hmm. looking into the uniforms the co- like or the costumes and all these different crazy things that you wouldn't even th- you don't even think about because it's not something you have to deal with in your day-to-day life, but all these crazy things that have to go into it. Um, And then on top of the making of on this DVD, there's also a kind of um, history of World War II or of the Pearl Harbor situation that they do. Mm -hmm. And they also do, um, there's a little clip of a cut that the History Channel, I think the History Channel or Discovery Channel, one of them, did that was like the all the inaccuracies between the movie and like what actually happened and how they got to where they got to uh and yeah so um yeah that's pretty much it check all those extra features out get yourself educated about pearl harbor and yeah and it's 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 not just pearl harbor either it's anytime you watch a war film i don't care if the beginning or end or cover or review tells you how accurate or inaccurate that movie is you watch the movie and then you get your ass out there and you research and you figure out what the hell happened and check your sources on your researching don't go out for op-eds don't go out for something that somebody has an opinion on 
because opinions are like buttholes and everyone's got one. Yeah. So find your facts, learn what's happened, appreciate it, and learn how to not do that again. Yes. So like we said, go check out this movie. Um, if you want to tweet us, you can tweet us at Allentown Pod. If you want to email us, you can email us at allentownpresents at gmail.com. You yeah. can find us at Facebook at Allentown Presents. I think we've got one more war film for you this month. And after that, it's on to Christmas. We're very yeah. excited. So we will see you soon. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. All right. Thanks. Toots.